Focal Point, Episode 4, in which Chelsea is moving, so I get my son on to talk about this month's prompts. Hi! Alright, so I am David Patton, and I have my son Rory here with me today. Hello! And... Yeah, Chelsea is busy with moving. She's got a lot of other stuff going on, and we're already on like our fourth backup plan for this week's episode just because scheduling has not been fun for us this week. So she will be back with us for next week's episode, but today I brought my son on because he is a pretty much beginner photographer. Uh, you've been you've been using a camera for, what, two or three years off and on? think two years off and on i've been using like the film but then uh i think like through some of my second year i've been using like mom's old nikon i think yeah so it he hasn't been going out consistently taking pictures all the time but he has had the chance some with a couple old film cameras and then recently we've been letting him use the Nikon D3200, I believe. It's one of the kind of entry-level Nikon cameras um, just for him to be able to get kind of a feel for it. So he is pretty much a very beginner with photography. He's kind of got a an, an idea. He's got a concept of the settings and how to adjust them, but he's still pretty new to the overall thing. And... He's nine years old, so he's new to a lot of stuff, but he is a fast learner. Uh, but before we get into talking about this month's uh, theme, I am going to go ahead and do a, just a really quick recap for last month's, uh, because there have not been a ton of submissions, which we kind of expected. It's just passed halfway through the year, and it's it was a lot more complicated of a set of prompts that were all meant to go together, so... We knew people were going to be kind of having a little bit of a tough time with them, but that's part of the point really is it's meant to be a challenge to push yourself. Uh, this is not like some graded thing where we expect you have to get in here and get all these prompts done. It, it's just meant to be a self-challenge where you can uh, improve your own photography and work on your own skill set. So don't worry about it if you're still in the middle of those prompts. You are more than welcome to go ahead and submit them anyway. It doesn't matter that it's a little bit late. No one's really judging. No one is keeping that close of track to anything. So absolutely, if you're still working on them, definitely you can keep working on those prompts and get them in. We're not grading anybody on these. There's no like restrictions for turning it in or whatever. It's all about personal learning and personal challenges, being able to improve your own photography. So with that being said, we are going to go ahead and get into this week's topic, which is to talk about this month's prompt topics. And along with these topics to kind of talk a little bit about branching out into different genres or kind of narrowing down, niching down to a smaller subset. I guess I'll go ahead and start with the prompts for the month are landscape, documentary and photojournalism, wildlife, and then sports and action. So before I get too much into talking about those, uh, let's go ahead and talk with Rory and see, so what's some of the stuff you have done so far with your photography? You've kind of messed around with the camera a little bit. What would you say you have done most in terms of genre? Um, really, 
I've just like randomly taken pictures. Like sometimes I like to go to the zoo and take some photos sometimes. But when I used to have the film camera, which I, th I don't know if it's out of film or not, I usually just randomly take photos. I mean, like, I'm a beginner, so I don't really go into the, like, mostly, like, important details yet. But still, I like just, like, to take photos. Like, I like to take photos of people, take photos of the roads, take photos <laughs> of cars, mainly. Yeah, and, and so for Rory, this really is, uh, because I am going to have him try to do this month's challenge as well, I think it'll be really good to help him learn. But it is more of a challenge for him on that narrowing down the focus, because as he has been saying, he basically goes around and just takes pictures of whatever's around him, which is awesome. That's fun. He's learning. But I think it'll also be helpful for him to sit and focus down on one particular type of style each week on kind of the more planning side of it. It's like, OK, instead of just randomly running around with my camera and trying to get whatever I feel like taking a picture of, I am going to focus on a specific genre. And that is an incredibly helpful thing if you're feeling like you are just kind of doing the same stuff over and over again, but you don't really have a sense of direction and you're just kind of taking pictures of whatever's around. This can be a really helpful thing to look and actually focus down on a specific genre. It, maybe not necessarily for an extended period of time, but just a short period of time, focus down and then maybe move on to another. And that kind of goes into the experimentation and genre exploration and just focusing on a specific style to help kind of narrow down what it is you're doing and give you a direction to go with your photography. On the other hand, if you are someone who almost exclusively shoots one particular style, this can be a great opportunity to branch out and do new things that you really just don't normally do very often. It can really be helpful when you niche down, when you don't particularly have much of a direction or you have like a specific goal. And then for branching out, uh, it can be really helpful for if you feel like you're just not improving much anymore, like you've, you've been working on your photography, you've been improving, but you kind of plateaued a little bit. Sometimes that branching out and getting out into a different style can be what it takes to really help take you to the next level and open up new ideas that you hadn't thought much about before. So to get into the actual prompts for the month, the landscape. This one is usually pretty self-explanatory. So Rory, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what do you think of when you think of landscape photography? So landscape, I'm thinking like, hmm, what is a landscape? Well, I know that a landscape is like, so like, it's like a picture of a town or something, like the sun set, like in the at back area, it's like giving it a nice lighting. And mainly you're taking a little photo of like a landscape. Yeah, and, and it is, it's you are taking a picture of the land. One of the things that usually is thought of when taking landscapes is like these big grand views like uh, Lake Banff up in Canada is one of the hugely popular places or the Grand Canyon 
or just Rocky Mountains or I'm saying all North American places because that's what I've been around more. But over in Europe, there's also some of the same really popular scenes and scenic overlooks, places that are very photogenic to get this wide, impressive view of the land. But there can be a lot more to it than just these giant, impressive landscapes. One of the things Rory kind of mentioned a little bit was the lighting and being intentional with the lighting. It is more than just, oh, there's a big scene of land. There's a big mountain. I'm going to take a picture. It is trying to be more focused with the lighting. You only have so much you can do based on where the sun is in the sky, time of year, and that type of stuff. So it takes more planning, but it is one of the important factors to get that light that you're looking for on the scene. Like if you wanted it to be like a nice looking thing, you might want to go to like noon or sunset. Yeah, and and different times of day will definitely give you different results. Sunrise and sunset give you kind of that nice golden hour look, and they can give you those really long shadows and give you uh, the ability to capture a full dynamic range in camera. You get the sky and all the land and being able to not have anything clipped out or too far down in the shadows. But taking the pictures at noon, you get that really crisp contrast. And then weather can also affect it. You like can, rain, like rain might affect the photo, the like photography. If you're like you're using a digital camera, <laughs> that is a wet. very important thing to take into consideration. Uh, if it is raining, is your gear weather resistant, or do you have a way to shoot out in the rain without getting your camera soaked? But it can also lead to some really interesting landscapes. And pictures that aren't that common because most people aren't going to go out in the rain to take pictures. And just the clouds themselves can cast this really soft light that just changes the way everything looks. Uh, Besides having the clouds in the sky to give the sky more of a dramatic look, it also changes the way the light is going to be hitting your subject. And that really kind of brings to the heart of landscape photography is the subject and the story, because it is about more than just catching some grand landscape. You can do a much more intimate landscape shot. It doesn't have to be super wide angle. It doesn't have to be these crazy, dramatic, stormy skies or other whatever perfect weather conditions right at golden hour. It's about telling the story with the subject. So you can do, like, use a telephoto lens, zoom in, focus your camera on a specific feature. Um, Or if you're still using the wider angle lens, you can move closer, find different ways to frame different things within the elements. And sometimes, especially with landscape, it may mean a lot of moving around. But it doesn't have to mean super wide angle, grand panoramic vision, anything like that. You can do a much more like intimate nature shot, pictures of trees, of different elements in there, and being able to capture that small subject, but using the lighting, the time of day, the weather, all of that 
with the subject to let your photo tell a story. So I'm going to go ahead and use that to lead into the kind of documentary and photojournalism. You mean like um, the documentary that Disney made about penguins? <laughs> where they put in all those facts about penguins? And, and it something? kind of is that type of thing. It's, it is more than just that. It can be something as simple as like a day in the life. Uh, following what's around you and getting those pictures to kind of accurately represent a story of what's going on. Uh, when you think photojournalism, it's like newspapers and other kind of current event photography. But the documentary side, it absolutely, it can be uh, going out to the Antarctic and getting pictures of penguins and telling, kind of narrating that type of thing. But it does not have to be anything nearly that extreme either. It can be something as simple as pictures of feeding horses out at the farm. That's something we're around all the time. Uh, my sister Rory's aunt has a horse farm, and so it, it's an easy subject for us to get. It just shows that it doesn't have to be some incredible narrative. It can be a simplistic slice of life and getting the details of that moment. So mean, you mean like there could be a documentary of just something about a tree, but actually like a life cycle of a tree maybe? It could be. Uh, with this particular prompt, it's less about making like a full documentary, but more of taking a picture in the style that documents what is going on. That doesn't necessarily mean bland or a snapshot. You can definitely still use all the composition techniques and framing and make it an artistic picture, but to be able to show the reality of what is going on around you. It doesn't matter if it's getting something that's happening in town or some sort of market or something like we have easily available going out to the farm and getting pictures of the horses with the work that goes on there. The important part is the individual photo tells a story. So it's not about trying to make a full-on documentary experience or anything, but it's about using your photo to tell a story. And a lot of times pictures are basically displayed in a set when you're talking about the documentary or photojournalism, but not always. Uh, there's, there's the thing that Henry Cartier-Bresson has kind of made famous, which is called the decisive moment. And it's capturing the moment in time that tells the story, that shows the action, that lets you express what is going on within a single frame. So you mean like, so one photo could be like a whole story, like a photo about someone like a, a painting like Mona Lisa, like how it was made. One photo could tell a whole story. And, and it kind of is that... It, the photo itself doesn't always have to be the only thing telling the story. When you're thinking documentary and photojournalism, a lot of times there are stories to go with it. With photojournalism, you'll have the rest of the article, but that picture is what is going to draw people in and show them and give that visual of what's happening, and then the article can help explain it. For the documentary style, a lot of times, either whether it's in a gallery or like a photo book or something along that lines, there's going to be descriptions 
that kind of help fill in the story, but the importance of the picture being able to catch that moment is what is going to draw people in and make them interested in the story. Okay, that makes more sense about the uh, one photo tells a story bit. Yeah, so it's not like you're trying to make a full-on documentary. It doesn't have to be some grand narrative. It really is just catching that moment that's going to give people an interest in what you're taking a picture of. And so for the third prompt for this month, we have wildlife. Again, kind of like landscape, this one is usually pretty self-explanatory. So like um, taking photos of animals is wildlife. Pretty much. It's in the traditional sense, it's taking pictures of wild animals. There are a few different kind of ways around this, especially if you live in a city, you may not get to see a whole ton of wildlife. And this can be one of those genres that gear can be really helpful at times. Uh, you don't see many professional bird photographers running around with a 10 millimeter wide angle trying to get a bird. No, you've got the big super zooms and stuff like that. But it's not essential. Especially when you're just experimenting around, having fun. You can definitely use just the gear you have. You don't need any special lenses. It may just change up the techniques of how you go about getting the photos. Part of it is finding the animals. Sometimes it can be easy. Sometimes it can be a lot harder, depending on where you are. But Rory, what's one place you have always seen animals? Um, so there's two places. Uh, one is, um, Grandma's house, where, um, sometimes when I was at sleepover, me and Uncle Elijah, we found a deer. He had a black and white camera, so he went out with the camera, and I had his phone, and I was just looking at the deer with him, and he was taking photos with it of, of, of the deer for proof that we've actually saw a deer. <laughs> and where's the other place you can think of that you always will see animals? Um, Lake Shelby, because um, at that place there is a lot of birds. So bird photographers out there, I'd suggest you go to Lake <laughs> Shelby, because there's a lot of birds yeah, out there. Yeah, local parks are an absolutely fantastic place. Uh, we have one near us that there's a lake there, so there's usually a decent amount of birds that go through there. And then my family has a farm, so of course there's always plenty of animals out there. You're still not hitting on the point I'm trying to get you to hit on. Oh. <laughs> so the, the other place, it's technically not wildlife, but the place you are always going to find animals is, of course, at a zoo. So if you're struggling to find anywhere else and you can get into a zoo, that's one easy way to get animal pictures, essentially. That is a good point. Oh, and don't forget, when you're at a zoo and you're publishing photos, don't forget in, like, if there's, like, a description that you're allowed to put in, don't forget to, like, put, like, these photos were from, like, say, for an example, you took photos of, like, the Louisville Zoo's rare right, white crocodile, Louie. You'd put, like, this, fo this photo I did not find on my own. I did this at my local zoo. Yeah, exactly. It is important to be ethical with doing that. You want to be honest, and if you're taking pictures of the zoo, it's perfectly fine. 
just make sure it's known these pictures were taken at the zoo. And that's just photographer integrity. Um, it's pretty simple, but yeah, it's, it's still animals. You're still going to get pictures. And even if you can't get to a zoo and you're in a city, there is still wildlife. Maybe not the most exciting of wildlife. You're certainly not going to see the bears and deer and all that sort of thing. Like if you're in a neighborhood and there's like, and you like have pets, like a cat or a dog or something, you can take photos of that. That still counts as wildlife. Yeah, there's always pets. Uh, but even then, there's usually other animals that are around, even in towns and cities. So there's always still some sort of wildlife out there, whether it's squirrels, birds, uh, I mean, pretty much anything you find, stray cats or dogs, or if you can do pets, that's another really easy uh, animal to get a picture of. But again, if you're not doing wild wildlife, it is important to be honest and open about it and just kind of put with the picture. It's like, oh yeah, this is a pet. But that also helps you get around kind of the standard gear because I know, Rory, you do not have any telephoto lenses. No. You've got your film camera, which has the one lens. That stays on there. <laughs> and then it takes like, I think I usually use the ISO 400, yeah. but I really want to use the 100, but I heard that it doesn't work as well. So I use 400. It, it depends on the lighting, but yeah, that's the lens. It's It's got interchangeable lenses. We just happen to only have one for that camera, right? Yeah, now. because um, film camera lenses are probably very expensive. They're actually not super expensive. It's sometimes they they're just hard to find. Oh. D depending on the film camera. But then for the digital camera you get to use, there's a few lens options there. But there's still not really much of a telephoto lens. So... Something like that can be an easy way to get around needing some really long zoom lens to get the wildlife is you don't always have to go get pictures of the wildest of wildlife. Pets, animals that wander around the neighborhood and are already fairly used to people, that type of stuff. And birds, squirrels. Like, yeah, it those can, are examples. it can still make for a good picture, especially depending on how you frame it. And this is where more of the composition comes into play. With a big telephoto lens, it can be really easy to zoom in and that animal is the only thing that's in focus and everything is just completely blurred out uh, between the focal length and aperture. And so it's kind of easy to compose that type of shot. But by using a wider angle lens, it gives you a lot more flexibility with what you can do for framing and composition. And kind of with telling the story. I know that's not always as essential for wildlife, but it can really open up a lot more options along those lines as well. But a lot of it with wildlife, it is about patience. Yeah, like um, there might be like, you might have heard like, like at the barn, my aunt found a blue jay. For example, if I found it, but it flew off, I might have to like, stand still with my camera ready and wait a while for that blue jay to come back. Rory is talking from experience there. He's been getting into bird watching. And so 
kind of that experience of he moves and the birds fly off. It, it was pretty common at the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's one and of those things. I was things- able to attract like three robins just because I use Audubon's bird call song <laughs> one for the robin thing. But it really is an important thing to remember about shooting wildlife is patience is key. Go to where the animals are. Or if you have animals around you, just sit and wait for them. But even going to where they are, you have to be patient. Let them come to you. Watch them behaving in their natural environment. Which kind of is the opposite for the last uh, prompt for the month, which is sports and action. Sports? Like football and soccer and stuff? Absolutely. So, like, you can take photos of that? I It's kind of hard to because, like, Whenever you take a shot, it's usually blurry when someone's like running or playing football or something. Yeah, the the action part of it can be tough to capture. But if you get out when the light is good, like really bright, sunny light, it makes it a lot easier because you can use that faster shutter speed. And so not much is going to be blurring. And some cameras actually have a motion setting where... You can take a shot and it won't be blurry when there's motion. There is image stabilization. That doesn't come into as much play here. Oh, okay. But there is times where you want a little bit of blur in the shot. If you can track the whatever subject you're shooting, if you can track them through the frame using a little bit slower of a shutter speed and get the background to be kind of blurred from motion but you're tracking the subject so they are sharp in focus. That is a much more challenging shot to get, but also a really fun one. But besides just going for kind of the standard sports, like, yeah, you can try to get into a local high school football, baseball, soccer, whatever game. But you can. You can go out to, if you've got a community center and Get a couple friends together. Maybe go to the tennis court. Maybe go play golf and bring your camera. And not only does that give you a little bit slower paced of action to capture, it also helps you get closer to the action. So again, it's like the wildlife. A lot of the sports photography, especially at the upper levels, it's all done with the massive, super expensive telephoto lenses. But when you can get in closer to the action... You can open up so many more options for framing and composition and just different things you can do. And so as an experiment, absolutely do. I would not recommend renting or buying a giant telephoto lens just to mess around with sports stuff. Even if it's something you're really interested in, I would highly recommend starting out just with the lenses you got, with the gear you've got, and going out trying to get more slow-paced or just sports you can get closer to in general. But finding the sports can be a little bit tough. There, like, um, there might be like football tickets that you wanted to go to, but they were all sold out. <laughs> yeah, there, there's tickets can get sold out, and that doesn't always happen as much with local games unless it's like big sports teams, in which case it's hard to get in there with a camera to begin with. But... There are the local teams, but like I said, if you have a community center or you have a park that has like soccer goals or something like that, and you can get a few friends. And then there's always some of the less common sports 
some of the track and field stuff. Like they have a hard time getting photographers just because not as many people really think about it. So if you've got a local school and you can say, Hey, are is your team? Do you have any teams that need a photographer for something? I'd like to go shoot or, uh, Again, for me, this one's a little bit easy because I already do some of the equine show photography. But it might be hard for other people out there. Yeah, but that kind of leads into it's another sport. It may be something you could go if there's local horse farms to you. You can go kind of ask around, say, hey, could I go get pictures of you all doing some jumps or something like that? And just being able to reach out and not only does it give you the opportunity to go out and get some awesome pictures? It kind of can help you network and get to know some of the people. So if it is something you're really interested in and want to do more of, you'll already have that kind of connection and have that in to start doing more of that photography. I know for Rory, that doesn't quite apply as much because he's still I, a kid. He's yeah, still in I school. I don't really do. Yeah. <laughs> school year started and... Yeah. It's kind of hard to just get out and do photos. I'm like, man, I really like, sometimes I like to play Minecraft and I'm like, man, I really need to do like some outside stuff, but I really want to make a TNT cannon. And then I totally forget <laughs> about it. And it's time, it's time for bed. And I'm like, man, I should have shot some photos today. Yeah. So, th and that, that is a big part of this for all of these prompts is kind of the time commitment because it is going out and finding completely different subjects each week. And so Rory brings up a really good point. He's got school, but I mean, for most of us, it there's a job, whether it's part-time, full-time, working two jobs, however it is, it's a time commitment. It can be hard to do. And that I think is where some of the extra planning can really help just by kind of planning your time around. Yeah, like um, if you have a job, make sure that like a, uh you're on a day like you don't have a job and you have like the whole day off, you can like go out and shoot some photos or something. Yeah. So trying to schedule stuff for your days off or just afternoons or evenings, whenever it is, you're free and it, it can be tough. Um, but I do think it really is important to do some of this experimentation, either branching out into different genres or kind of narrowing down what you do into a genre. It will absolutely help you learn some new techniques and especially if you're focused on one particular genre and you primarily do that or you just do that I, I know I come across this a lot with wedding photographers the only thing they shoot is weddings or maybe they'll do like engagements and weddings well usually they'll also do engagements wedding but it's all along the same lines and it's the only things they will do but by branching out you get what I call kind of the cross-pollination. You get that experience that pulls from other genres. And while it may not directly apply to what you primarily do, it can still be really important in teaching you different things that you wouldn't have come across normally in your shooting. You mean like, um, so like there's this like opportunity to go and um, shoot a photo of um, like, say like you could be like, you could shoot a photo at the Louisville Zoo's new red panda before like uh, everyone is like, Ooh, look, it's a red panda. Like, but you're usually taking photos of people. What are you supposed to do? Would you go, would you rather go 
and take photos of the panda or keep taking photos of people. That might be a tough decision. Yeah, and, and sometimes it can be, but it is important to branch out and try new things. And just as much as that within like your situation, Rory, it's important to find your focus, find what it is you want to learn more about and want to practice more. Because of course, the more you practice with it, the better you're going to get. And so with a month like this, where the prompts are all different genres, it can be really good in getting you the different experience within those genres to help you find one that you want to stick with more and that you want to try to really focus down and learn more. But either way, it also helps you with your networking, meeting other photographers. If you're going out and planning, maybe opening up into some of the photography groups, asking where good locations may be. Again, that depends on how much time you have to dedicate to, to this each week, but it can be really helpful with the planning stage of things to reach out to some of the photography groups in your area to get information on where good locations for any of these genres may be. Yeah, like, say, like, there is this um, invitation on Facebook where, oh, join this photography group. We got everything. Wedding photos, bird photos, wildlife photos, landscape. And you're like, oh, man, but I like doing, like, I'm, like, a teacher, but I love to take photos and I don't have any spare time. Well, you could see if they have like, if you're like a teacher or something, you could like do it on a weekend, for example. Yeah. So the networking part of it can be really important and it can open up a lot more opportunities that you wouldn't normally come across. So I know this is kind of going to be a short episode and more of just a fun one. Uh, it's Chelsea was busy, so I got my son on here. We had some fun talking about some stuff. But if you all do have any questions about the prompts or anything with this month's themes, absolutely feel free to comment, talk about it in Discord, bring it up. We'll answer, we'll help, or we'll just have fun discussing it. And outside of the prompts, of course, we have the photo class coming up. It will be taking place on Discord as well as Reddit. So absolutely go ahead and join in, go ahead and start up some early discussion. Chelsea is working to tailor the class to the people who are joining to make it more helpful for you. It doesn't matter what experience you have, how long you've been shooting, anything like that. We are working to make this as helpful for you as possible. And if you would like to submit photos to the podcast for review, obviously we didn't do one this week. Chelsea has been a little bit busy with moving and things got a little hectic. But if you want to submit pictures to be critiqued or reviewed, you can absolutely join us up on Patreon and join in the discussions on Discord. We have an open critique chat there where you can post pictures and talk about what you want reviewed, and we will absolutely help out. That's about it for this episode. So absolutely, uh, any late August submissions, definitely feel free to go ahead and submit those. For September, I am looking forward to seeing everybody's work. This is going to be a fun one. It's a fairly easy prompt, but it's meant to kind of be a break from last month's where it was a little more complex, but also to push you on your own level. So if you are more of a beginner like my son, you can really sit and focus on more of the basics for it. 
or if you're more experienced, you can add in some extra challenges, add a little bit of flair to it, whatever you want to do, but really push yourself while still fitting within the theme. But that is all we have for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you are listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Or if you are listening just as a regular podcast, subscribe and make sure you catch all of our episodes as they come out. And if you aren't on the Discord already, absolutely feel free to join us and I will see you next time.